0: Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hello, hello. So, what are we talking about on the podcast this week?
1: This week, we are talking about this interesting discussion that we've kind of been having in our household recently as to the Boundary between and the overlap of gender-affirming care and body modifications. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. Yeah, I think that that is something that we've talked about quite a lot and I have touched on kind of previously in some of my written works. And it Um, kind of
1: came up in our non-binary top surgery episode a couple weeks ago. It did
0: actually, yeah. So I think that it's a very interesting kind of uh, space to explore in the gender expansive community just Mm because like there's fighting over what is and isn't like needed quote mm-hmm. unquote very heavy air quotes for yeah. gender affirming care and then like also i think that people kind of brush over some really powerful ways that body modification can help with gender right but i guess before we dive into all of that let's let's work to define what these two different things are
1: actually before we even dive into that i want to give a disclaimer on it too because okay. here's here's a disclaimer that i just want to give if you've been listening to us for a while you probably already know this but Josie and I believe in complete bodily autonomy for everybody. We think everybody should be able to do whatever the fuck it is they want with their bodies. There shouldn't be any of this proving to medical people, medical overlords, that you have enough dysphoria to earn top surgery or earn this, mm-hmm. that, or the other. So we're not comparing gender-affirming care to body mods to in any way lessen gender-affirming care or aggrandize body mods. That's not it. That hierarchy doesn't exist in our household. So I just want to make that clear. Like, right. We're not here to have an argument about, like, who needs top surgery and who doesn't. Everybody who wants top surgery or other gender-affirming care should have access to it. So that's, like, a baseline understanding that we're going into this conversation with, and I just Mm -hmm. want to be really clear.
0: Nor are we here to minimize the very real and life-saving effect gender-affirming care can have as compared to, like, tattoos. Like,
1: For some. For some.
0: Like, that is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. Your feelings around that are valid, and we're not here to you know, minimize any of that. We're just here to have a conversation around kind of the interesting relationship between these things.
1: Yeah, and how because we so often have to fight for our right as trans people to access gender-affirming care, we can't acknowledge other paths. Because if we acknowledge other paths, then it can be seen as like... Oh, like, well, if you could just get a tattoo instead of getting top surgery, then your desire for top surgery is invalid. Not none of that. Fuck all of that shit. Absolutely. That's not the argument that we're having here. This is a safe, queer space. None of that bullshit is existing here.
0: You can both want a tattoo and want top surgery or whatever. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. And you can can
1: also first want a tattoo and be like, maybe this will help me with my discomfort around my chest. And then you get a tattoo and you're like, wow, I love this tattoo. And two months later, you're like, wow, I still hate my chest phenomenal (laughs) we love it
0: that's how it goes
1: bodily autonomy anyway okay now let's let's do some definitions all right
0: so what what is gender affirming care
1: so gender affirming care is i think predominantly a medicalized term comes out of the medical community Mm -hmm. and it is procedures that are necessary for people with um, a different gender identity than they were born with previously individuals with gender identity disorder Mm -hmm. which no longer exists but our medical community is still built so it does and Mm -hmm. we have gender dysphoria disorder so like have we really moved that far past it not terribly right but these are medical procedures that like you wouldn't give cis people that are necessary for trans people to be happy and healthy in a similar way that like you wouldn't give one person you know, heart medication. If they don't have the heart disease, you would give it to the person with heart disease. Right. <laughs> Very simple. Right.
0: So, examples of gender affirming care would be things like top surgery, bottom surgery, uh, in estrogen. All of, in all ways. Yeah. Estrogen, HRT, mm-hmm. um, even some other things like uh, facial feminization surgery. Facial
1: feminization surgeries increasingly huge for this. Yeah,
0: so things like that where, as you said, you would not necessarily provide these medical interventions for folks who did not have gender dysphoria, but for folks who do have it, they are extremely important.
1: Right, and I think that that's something that's important is these are things that are often gatekept behind gender dysphoria. Right. At least by the medical community. So we'll dive into that a little bit more, but at least like by the letter of the law, you have to have demonstrable gender dysphoria in order to access these things Mm. and in some states and with some doctors you might have to have a binary identity you might have had to live in that binary identity for x amount of time you might have to be straight in your binary identity so you there's
0: a lot there's there's a a lot
1: of gatekeeping around these things
0: yeah there's a lot of medical gatekeeping a lot of medical bullshit which like also i guess trigger warning for that because like that is traumatic yeah and terrible and should not
1: exist right but i think that's what makes it its own separate category because it is behind all of these gates in at least so much of our world
0: mm-hmm. right right and then so kind of on the other end of it what is body modification
1: yeah so body modification is generally i mean i think it's still pretty queer practice but it's definitely more of like a counterculture practice mm-hmm. this is like I mean, piercings are body modification, um, tattoos are body modification.
0: Those are the two most mainstream. Those are the ones that, like, if you talk about body modification, people generally are probably talking about various piercings and tattoos.
1: That's true. But also, like, people, they're so mainstream that sometimes people are like, that's not real body modification. And then, quote, unquote, real body modification becomes, like, split tongues, punches in the ear, so like the big holes in the ear. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed
0: to stretched ears.
1: As opposed to sl- stretched ears. No, so that's in cartilage, so you can do it in your conch or you can do it in your
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in the flat, the top of your ear. Things like elven ears, you can get implants that make your ears look elvish. 10 out of 10, those are fun. Face tattoos are sometimes still considered more body modifications than other tattoos. <laughs> and, and I think
0: that there's also... And I am sure the people in the body modification community would not uh, agree with me here. But things like dyeing your hair, mm-hmm. cutting your hair in uh, unique ways, yep. or um, affecting how like I mean, I know that the queer community really loves their eyebrow cuts right now, mm-hmm. um, things... which came
1: from the black community. Let's not let's just name let's yeah. just name Big Daddy Kane created those. He was a rapper. I just gotta name that one. Yeah. Queer people cannot act like we created that. We didn't
0: yeah, absolutely. And so like. Those are not necessarily... I mean, they're not permanent. Piercings don't have to be permanent either, though. So, like... And neither do tattoos. Neither do neither tattoos. Neither do
1: silicone implants, which is another huge thing. You can put silicone wherever on your body. Yeah. And it makes, you know,
0: whatever. Right. So, like, there are very extreme versions of body modification, but the body modification can also just be basically any aesthetic, voluntary procedure that you undergo in order to, I mean, I guess, look cool.
1: Yeah. look Look a different way. And I think that's the thing is body mods and I mean, I guess we're diving to our, our point in this podcast, but body modifications are basically just, I want to look a different way. And there's not a medicalized community that's telling me that I need to feel a way in order to make that decision for myself. People do, people do wild shit in terms of body modification, With no medical doctors overlooking them, I, and I don't mean any shade towards this man, but I definitely saw the progress of a man on Reddit who was tattooing his entire body, and I do mean his entire body blue, just for shits and giggles, and I promise you he didn't need a letter from his goddamn therapist telling him that that was something that he needed to do for his mental health, whereas I'm just out here trying to get top surgery. And I need a letter. And some people need two letters. Mm, Fascinating. Right.
0: So let's kind of dive in then to Yeah, sorry. I I jumped ahead. (laughs) We jumped ahead. But that's good. That's good because this is something that it does have an interesting overlap in terms of like, I can just go to a tattoo shop and be like, I want a tattoo. And then I sign some paperwork saying like, I understand that tattoos are permanent and that I can get infections. Mm -hmm. And then...
1: But you don't sign any paperwork that says, I understand that people might see me differently if I get a, you know, fucking spider on my forehead right and this um, is i have no shade for the man who's dying himself blue i thought that was super cool i followed him obsessively or spiders on your forehead you know what bodily autonomy once again just want to emphasize that point nothing is being said here for shade right.
0: but before we really super dive even deeper into that because we keep we, we want to i can feel it <laughs>
1: but let's talk a little bit
0: about our own experience with first yeah. with body modification starting off with here so what is your experience with the body modification community and what sort of body modifications have you gotten?
1: Yeah, I think that I'm generally a little deeper in the like community than you are because a lot of body modifications involve blood and Josie here, not really into that. Also needles. And needles. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm just more in the online community. But in terms of my personal experience, I have tattoos and piercings is pretty much, pretty much it for me. Mm. I have some what some people would call non-standard piercings. I've had my nose pierced for a long time. Came out at the beginning of quarantine. Very much looking forward to getting it re- repierced. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lip piercing for a while. I have both of my, I have my conch and my rook done. If you know what ear piercings are, they're like the inner ear piercings that mm-hmm. are more non-standard in some people's opinions. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Your ears are stretched. Your lobes are stretched. My
1: ear lobes are stretched. Yeah, not not huge yet, but that's not my personal choice. My earlobes are just little bitches. So we're sitting around seven millimeters. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's I have I have pre- I have some pretty significant tattoos. I have I was gonna say I think your tattoos. I, it's I, have, really... a, I have a half sleeve at this point. I don't think of it that way. Because I got it in two different portions. But it's definitely a half sleeve at this point. I think that
0: tattoos are one of those things that the longer you have a tattoo, the less you like remember that it is kind of like a big deal that you mm-hmm. have a tattoo. Like I, I Forget about the, like, rib piece that I have. Yeah, it's is, like, sizable. That is, sizable. And so, like, like you said, you have a half sleeve that also, like, Comes shows on, my on collar your collarbone. Bone, and it goes, like, halfway down your arm. Mm-hmm. You have the really prominent wrist tattoo that is, like... Yeah, you're right. A Look at this. There we go. <laughs> and you have your really awesome travel tattoos.
1: Yep. And um, I have my underboob sternum tattoo. Which, and like, you have
0: your sternum tattoo. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, you have a lot of tattoos.
1: I do. I have a decent number of tattoos. Yeah.
0: And so how did those, do you feel that those at all interact with your gender identity or with your gender expression?
1: <sighs> no. They interact with my mental health a lot more. So like yeah. they are kind of important to me as a person in a different way. So like you mentioned my forearm tattoo. It's a big old um, semicolon tattoo for anybody who's not familiar with the semicolon project it was like a suicide awareness thing like you're you don't have to have a period you can have a semicolon like the sentence can go on I'm not explaining it super well you can google the (laughs) semicolon project it exists but lots of people who have had experience themselves or in their family with suicide or suicidal ideation habit mine is like kind of an artistic version most people just have like a little black and white semicolon yeah and then my shoulder piece the shoulder piece that I eventually became the half-sleeve is covering self-harm scars. Right. So a lot of mine are, like, very mental health-oriented rather than gender-oriented, but, like, are definitely huge markers in, like, my mental health journey progress. And then something that I'm still working to understand and piece together is I definitely have a very complicated relationship with my chest, right? I'm trying to get top surgery. So I have, like, a sternum piece that goes to the underboob, like, that whole, that, like, classic sternum underboob kind of... St- I'm not quite sure how that fits into my like relationship with my chest. I got it very spontaneously. I got it at a convention. I
0: literally went to a convention and it was like, I'm not going to get a tattoo. I was like,
1: I'm going to get a small tattoo maybe. And I was
0: like, you're going to get, I literally, as you were leaving, was like, you're going to get a sternum tattoo because you've been talking about it. And I know that's what you're going to do. And you were like, no, that's going to be like expensive. I'm just going to get a little tattoo. And then I got the
1: outline of a sternum tattoo. And then we had to go back for the coloring because it was that big. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I think that it ha- I I haven't quite pieced together how that fits into my journey mm-hmm. with my chest, but it's in there. The right. fact that I got it spontaneously is important.
0: Right. And I think kind of in contrast, my experience with body modifications. I have some piercings. They are all on my ears. I have very vanilla piercings, but they were extremely important to me. Yeah. When I was uh, first coming out. I also have a couple of tattoos. One of them is just fun. Um, <laughs> the other two were directly related to my. We dysphoria. should do another
1: episode about our tattoos. Sorry, we have some fun tattoos, not the ones we're talking about right now. The other ones, go on, babe.
0: <laughs> but so I kind of now moving into the like overlap between body modification and like gender, since my body modifications pretty much all do mm-hmm. interact with my gender. I remember. I went to get my ears pierced. A friend brought me to get my ears pierced when I, like, maybe six months after I came out, and it was such an invigorating and, like, gender-affirming experience because I'd always wanted to have my ears pierced since I was a little kid. I've always been terrified of needles, so it was, like, (laughs) I had, like, a I had, it was a big deal to get it done, and it just, like, did so much for me in terms Mm -hmm. of helping with my gender, like, feeling more in my gender. Right.
1: Um, Which is interesting because I don't even consider my lobe piercings as part of my... Body mods, because I've had them since I was like, what, seven? Like, I've had them. I don't remember getting my earlobes pierced. Right.
0: And similarly, um, and I I wrote an article about the interaction between tattoos and gender Mm -hmm. dysphoria a while ago. If you want to check it out, I can put a link to it in the uh, podcast description. Mm -hmm. But when I got that tattoo, I was struggling a lot with my dysphoria around my shoulders. And Mm -hmm. at that time, I was like looking into in the options of gender affirming care surgical interventions to make my shoulders more narrow which are
1: scary they are scary surgeries they're scary surgeries Mm -hmm.
0: and then I got this tattoo on my shoulder which is a lovely little rose and I mean it didn't cure all of my dysphoria overnight but instead of looking at my shoulders and being like god I hate how big my shoulders are I looked at my shoulders like look at this awesome piece of artwork I have on my shoulder and it made me really like Mm -hmm. love my shoulders more and then a similar one which is a little bit less dramatic I have a tattoo on my side that also kind of makes me care less about the fact that I don't really have like a hourglassy kind of waist. Mm. So for me, my body modifications are very directly tied to my gender dysphoria and have done a lot to help me personally overcome or address dysphoria in ways that gender affirming care. I mean, I haven't had a ton of that.
1: Yeah. So like, how does that how does that experience of those tattoos addressing your dysphoria compare to your gender affirming care experience. Because for context, Josie's the only one of us who has had gender affirming care. I guess I'm technically I've had one single call for top surgery, which kind of counts as the beginnings. Yeah. But I haven't really had anything. Josie's had estrogen.
0: Yeah, I guess that's interesting. I it's always I always forget that we have only had my very long now uh, interaction with my HRT is the only like real gender affirming care that we've had in this household.
1: And like I will point out that sometimes gender affirming care Falls into like bedside manner, and I've had a lot of experience. I've had a lot of experience with how people treat me in incredibly gendered spaces that I don't necessarily think you have because AFAB bodies need a lot more medical attention than AMAB bodies just in general. Very unfortunate. Yeah. So I have a lot of AFAB specific interactions with the medical community that how they treat me or don't treat me based on my gender queerness kind of falls under gender affirming care, but not in the same like medical, like not in the same um, treatment way. They're not treating me in a gender affirmed way. So like, right, that's a different conversation.
0: So I've been uh, on HRT for about three years. And I like it. Um, (laughs) It's litty. It's great. It's honestly, (laughs) basically been um, everything I wanted it to be in terms of how it's kind of changed the way that my body works for a while. I was on spironolactone as a T blocker and I didn't like it. I was on it forever and it made me very anxious and had a lot of other side effects that I was not a fan of. So now I really just do estrogen, which is slightly less aggressively feminizing all at once. But I still think that it does a lot of like positives for my perception of my own gender and for like very subtle gender cues. But that is something that like it, it's a process to get like I had to sign informed consent stuff. I had to bank sperm. I mean, I didn't have to. I guess I could have just not. But like, you and, know,
1: and it was a process for you to get at, we should name literally one of the forefront gender affirming clinics in the nation that we right. happen to live two blocks from.
0: <laughs> right, right. I lived around the corner from Fenway Health, which was which is one of the best gender like it's care literally money. the
1: the forefront.
0: Yeah. And so when I walked in to get my first HRT appointment, they were just like, okay, so, like, we can send this to CVS right now, which is right down the street. You want to just walk down to get your hormones? And I freaked out, and I didn't get hormones for six months because that seemed too easy. But at the same time, like, I remember it that way, but they also did have, like, I had to go in for monthly blood screens Mm -hmm. to track my hormone levels, and, like, I'm terrified of needles. It was a horrible experience. Yeah, And, like, there was all of the paperwork, like, a very thick bundle of paperwork I had to sign that was informed consent around, like, you have to understand, like, these are the changes you might undergo. These are the change, like, we can't control what changes you get. You We can't control how people will perceive you from this. Yeah. You may become sterile irreversibly. And, like, you know, we can't be held liable for that. You have to accept that, like, you are doing that to yourself. Mm-hmm. And, like... All that was in the one of the easiest states in the United States. I was about to say,
1: because informed consent is a specific method of hormone access that is the gold standard. Right. Because the alternative, just to be clear, is that you need to live as a woman for X number of time between six months and freaking two years in some places, and get like X number of therapy letters saying that, yes, you are a woman, and you have a stable identity as a woman. That is the direct quote. And that you therefore deserve which is really hard for those of us who are non-binary let me tell you i had to have a letter written about my stable identity as a gender fluid person tell me what part of that makes sense none
0: of that makes sense
1: (laughs) so like yeah i i think that right this is the experience
0: and i mean i think that's actually a good point is that we say that like our household has not gotten a lot of gender affirming care but part of the reason for that is because of the barriers in place for you right now trying to access gender affirming care I
1: had to wait for a month to get a letter from a therapist and both of my therapists are also non-binary tell me where it makes sense tell me point point to the logic for me
0: right right so like I can talk about the fact that I have had HRT for a while and I think that it's lovely but also that like it was so easy for me it was almost as easy for me to get HRT as it was for me to get a tattoo
1: yeah that's actually true and like that's fantastic
0: that's awesome that's as it should be I mean like and that gave me the space to think about what I wanted from both options and Mm -hmm. it also has in retrospect given me the space to think about how lovely and positive those things have been on my life without having to worry about like how long it took or anything like that
1: right so I think that I think that in a similar way that you're you had an experience with tattoos that was very gender affirming in a way that maybe (laughs) <laughs> they weren't meant to be. <laughs> right. You didn't have to jump through all the gender-affirming hoops to get a tattoo. You just kind of not waltzed and You thought very deeply about it and had a brilliant idea, and it worked out wonderfully for you. Yeah,
0: but I didn't realize it was going to be gender-affirming when I got it, frankly. I just had wanted that tattoo for a while.
1: That's true. Like, I, literally- I feel like you got it on your shoulder because you knew. You want to beautify your
0: shoulder. I was very scared going into the tattoo that getting it on my shoulder was a mistake because of how much I didn't like my shoulders.
1: Mm, Yeah. So very like bending the barriers between gender affirming care and body modification. Yeah, I mean, I feel like your HRT and tattoo experience perfectly... It showcases what we're trying to say, which is that there shouldn't be a difference. like there like, should you can access things that give you gender euphoria through many routes. And like, why do some routes have all of these gates? and right. other routes don't.
0: I like I literally I've never actually until we had this conversation really thought about how parallel those things are. Yeah. And like
1: and the fact that we put all these gates around quote unquote gender affirming care, also, unfortunately, orients the community towards them. There's nothing that makes somebody want something more than making, so they can't have it. That's just right. like a basis of human right. uh, psychology. So, like, if you say, you know, only real trans women can have the estrogen, the, the titty skittles can have the, right. <laughs> the pills, then everybody who identifies as transfeminine or is AMAB and non-binary is going to be like, but I need that. As opposed mm-hmm. to being able to explore other options if they were all freely given, right, um, and be able to really consider what they want, if right. we didn't create these this like manufactured scarcity,
0: yeah. And by medicalizing the idea of what gender affirming care is, you also, in a way, tell people that there is only one right way to be that. And so, if you right. even kind of consider that, like maybe just getting a really beautiful tattoo will be enough to make me feel affirmed in my gender. Then it kind of comes into like, but then am I, then you get that thought of like, am I really trans?
1: Right. And also certain things, certain gender affirming care, quote unquote, is nested. So like, y'all have been doing gay history recently. (laughs) A lot of this comes from the fact that back in the day, quote unquote, sex change operations, so bottom surgery, were the only way that you could access like legal name and and gender Mm -hmm. changes.
0: Still true in a lot of the US as well.
1: Still true in a lot of the US as well. (laughs) But similarly... If I am a trans mask individual, which like <laughs> covers me some days, <laughs> um, <laughs> it if, I, if I'm a trans mask individual who's like, yo, I don't really mind my chubbier cheeks and my wastier waist, but I do hate these titties though. So I don't want tea. I'm just gonna maybe get a tattoo on my waist that makes me feel super masculine, whatever but I still want the titties chopped off. There are states that you can't do that. There are states that are like, you have to be on testosterone in order to access top surgery because otherwise you are not on this path and you are not transmasculine enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Alternatively, if I'm like, I actually like my entire fat body, but I'm still a man because those people exist and they are so valid. There are many, many states that are like, good luck changing your driver's license to have a nice little M on it if you're not going to take T and present as a man.
0: Yeah, or change your name because like apparently you can change your name to... But fart McFart face, and that's fine. But as soon as you want to change your name to Michael or Samantha, it's like, well, wait a minute. There's a lot of there's a lot of f- social connotations to that name. You're trying exactly. to pick there, like, but
1: also you can name your baby whatever you want. It's just adults that are trans that are. So, <laughs> but yeah, I just I think that these barriers are a lot more fluid than anybody gives them credit for. Because I don't think our community necessarily gives them credit for it either. Yeah. Because we've been taught and we've and the mm. scarcity mindset has been created. Yeah.
0: And I think a lot of people become surprised when they realize how affirming mm-hmm. body modification can be. And I think that's part of why body modification is as big as it is in the queer community. Like
1: I think so too. And it, just in the counterculture community.
0: Yeah. That like it is kind of it's kind of a way for you to take control of your body in a system that doesn't give a lot of people a lot of control
1: which is a huge part of the reason that i want top surgery and a huge part of the reason that i'm so into the scars of top surgery is right like,
0: which we touched on last time right i owned time, but, my
1: body like right. this is mine and nobody else is gonna tell me what the fuck to do with it
0: right and then it also does give us like avenues to i mean there are there are some modes of gendered expression where like the only way to really signal that you are outside of gender is to do things that, quote-unquote, no gender would do. Hmm. So, like, I mean, that's where you get, like, really... The the popularity of, like, really vibrant hair colors in a lot of non-binary community, popularity of, like, facial piercings or,
1: like... The mullet thing.
0: The mullet thing, like...
1: Yo, the, community, queer community, can we kill that, though? Do we have to?
0: <laughs> it's also got its roots in the punk uh, punk movement, which is kind of cool, so, like... <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, at some point, all the, like... it, it Yeah, it's... Aesthetics that are counterculture are inherently counter-gender as well because culture and gender are so inherently tied in our U.S. society. So things that are rebelling against the gender binary are often also rebelling against the society culture at large. Yeah. So like our aesthetics end up being very similar between genderqueer and counterculture. Right. It helps that often also counterculture kids and genderqueer kids have a similar fight the power energy. So, you know, yeah. we all hang out. But-
0: just because there are those overlaps, too, doesn't mean that they, those are any less valid ways of approaching affirming your own gender and gender right. expression than gender affirming care. Right. Like,
1: you don't have to have a medicalized person tell you that Yeah. you did the right thing.
0: You don't have to have something on your medical record to say that you have sought ways to express your own gender and affirm your own gender. Right. All right. Anything else you want to talk
1: about with this particular topic today? um yeah in summary fuck the concept the medicalized concept of gender affirming care let's throw it away let's allow people to do whatever makes them feel good in their gender
0: yep honestly that's <laughs> a, that's succinct and i love it because that is what it that's what it comes down to. i mean that's
1: what it is right yeah. and that doesn't mean throw away top surgeries and bottom surgeries no 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 let's keep those let's just remove all these gates around them that and, say gender affirming care yeah and also and then let cis people get them, too. I don't care. You yeah. know what? Maybe yeah. maybe a cis woman doesn't want titties. Phenomenal. Maybe a cis man is done with his penis. Phenomenal. We love. Just normalize we it.
0: And also, like, normalize the idea that gender-affirming care doesn't have to be these medicalized interventions. That yes. there can be other ways to approach affirming your own gender, both in the sense that if that feels like it will be helpful to you, you should have access to it and it should be just normalize that you have allowed yourself to be lovely and also at the same time keeping in mind that that won't help every single person in the world right yeah
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: alright so I think that is just about going to do it for us this week on gender journeys the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context as always I am one of your hosts Josie and I'm joined by your other host my lovely partner Elle bye alright and until next time just keep thinking about it Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Badash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com genderjourneys. We hope to hear from you soon.